You're listening to the OKC82 Podcast with Brady Trantham and Madison Morris. The best place for OKC Thunder basketball. A part of 1077 The Franchise Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 60th edition of the OKC82 Podcast. Um, actually, I think this would be 63 because we've done the preseason episode. We did the All-Star episode, so... Uh, once again, math comes back and bites me in the ass. Hate uh, it. I am Brady Trantham. The lady next to me is Miss Madison Morris. We are coming to you live from the luxurious, ever classy Radisson Hotel <laughs> from um, from Denver, Colorado, where uh, we just left the we just left Pepsi Arena about 20 minutes ago. Uh, exciting game, exciting day. Um, Madison and I got to cover the game on the road for the franchise. Um, went to shoot around this morning. We kind of hung out in Denver, had some good times, had some good food, and then saw a good, good, fun playoff atmosphere uh, basketball game, Madison. No, it was awesome tonight, and uh, Denver fans are extremely passionate. That's one thing I took that's away from lou- this game. That's a loud arena. That's a very loud arena. <laughs> like they kinda, love their team. I, I know Chesapeake is loud, and I, I know Chesapeake gets, like, we'll always, like, whether you're talking players, media, mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, Chesapeake's the loud, like the loudest arena in the, in, in the NBA, but I... I don't know. Like Denver was Pepsi like, Center might give them a run for their yeah, money. It, it was hard to concentrate. Um, yeah, we were sitting fairly. We were sitting um, just above the tunnel where uh, the Nuggets would exit the floor. So we were pretty close to the floor, and every it seemed like every time they hit a three, oh, it was yeah. just deafening. It was deafening. But, um, the jumbotron is like ginormous. I, <laughs> I, I went to the Houston game on Christmas, and I thought that that thing was. The Houston Jumbotron is like the NBA equivalent to uh, Jerry World's Jumbotron, mm. where it's just too ungodly big. <laughs> um, but I guess it's kind of the norm, because uh, this was the fifth, technically the fourth NBA arena that I've been in. I've been in, I've covered an NBA game in the BOK Center. It's not technically a, a, an NBA arena. But uh, Chesapeake and BOK have really small Jumbotrons, mm-hmm. because Denver is also fairly huge. It was just, it was a fun atmosphere. It and was. It was um, an atmosphere deserving of these two uh, great teams thus far in the Western Conference, uh, and you know, you know, even by saying that, this was so similar to the first two Denver Nuggets games uh, with the Thunder. The only difference was Russell Westbrook didn't play outlandishly, just god Bad. the hell awful <laughs> on offense. Now he had his moments, of course. Um, everybody had their moments. Paul George had the most elongated moment for this right. team. Dennis Schroeder kind of comes into a close second. But uh, really, the, the whole point of this game, like, if, if you didn't get to watch it, if you didn't stay up late, like, Madison and I, we're recording this at 1 o'clock Denver time, so it's 2 o'clock back in local time. Um, if you didn't stay up late, all you really need to know is the Thunder were down 18. Then Russell Westbrook got tapped by a, a little kid courtside. Oh. <laughs> had to like had to like turn around, realized it was a kid and not an adult, and just had to like calm down and then talk to the kid and talk to the dad. And then from that moment on, I think the um, the Nuggets were up eighteen. From that moment on, the Thunder erased that deficit. They took mm-hmm. a they took a three point lead at hundred and ninety seven with just I think at five minutes and fifty five seconds left in the fourth. And then from there on, Denver just every single 50-50 play, Denver made. Yeah, and there was just a lot that went on in this game that was really interesting. Um, I mean, of course, Paul George, he took 14 three-point attempts tonight, only made three of them. 
uh, was 7 of 24 from the floor. Ended with 25 points because he was 100% from the free throw line. That's kind of something that I took away from this game. Free throw shooting was awful. Uh, I mean, the Thunder kind of... Paul was the, Paul was the only guy that was 100%, right? Or did he miss one late? No, no, no. Uh, he was 100% from uh, the free throw and, line. And it really didn't matter because Paul was just... You know, first of all, I, like, we're going to get into, like... We're going to get into what we kind of thought were the problems in this game. And we might gloss over the fact that Denver played exceptionally great defense, mm-hmm. um, particularly on Paul George. If we gloss over that, just just know that when we say, like, okay, Paul missed a lot of shots, we're, we've already acknowledged that Denver played really well and led into a lot of those things that kept Paul from getting in ryth- rhythm right. early on. But, you know, it just... You know, Sacramento, everybody kind of chalked it up to, you know, Paul j- just 17 hours prior to that tip-off, you know, hit that huge game winner over Rudy Gobert in double overtime. Everybody's spent. Everybody's tired. You can kind of see, like, okay, he's going to have a let-me-down game. That that makes sense. They've had two days off. They had a shoot-around practice. I just never got the sense that Paul George was just in a- – you know, even at an average rhythm for for Paul George in this yeah. game. He started off the game, surprisingly enough, with a really nasty um, outlet pass from Russell Westbrook turned into a really nasty uh, slam dunk, and you're thinking, okay, here we go. It's mm-hmm. Paul George MVP show in Denver. This is going to be great. I don't think Paul made another shot the entire first quarter, and I think he made a second shot late in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. He was two of – he just did not play well. He did not look comfortable – he was taking a lot of bad shots. He took a handful of good shots that he just straight missed. But that, of course, if you get defended and get um, out physicaled and you get off your rhythm, you're going to miss those shots that are your that are your comfort zone. And I thought that throughout the first half, that's kind of what plagued Paul. Yeah, and I mean, Paul just, he kind of has been looking like that for the past couple of games. I mean, uh, he has finished kind of with some high points. I mean, like I said earlier, he finished with 25 tonight. But at the same time, it's just not the playoff P or the MVPG or the great Paul George that everyone's been talking about since maybe like late December, early January. And I mean, kind of the excitement is starting to dwindle down, but not in a bad way because he's still playing basketball. He's still contributing, but he's just not bringing that excitement factor like he used to. Um, I, I don't know. The thing about Paul tonight is that I think Denver just really did a good job of zoning in on what Paul George is so good at, and they were able to put a stop to it. And that's why Paul was struggling tonight that's why he didn't have such a great performance and that's why people weren't like oh wow you know paul's paul's not paul anymore yeah he didn't really get into what some may call a rhythm until very late and a lot of that was just due to the fact that the thunder were straight scrambling and that this was after russell westbrook hits that three to take that three-point lead with the um, under six minutes left um for the next two minutes it was kind of a back and forth affair both teams were trading buckets the biggest sequence was uh, Denver went to the foul line. I believe they were up two. And uh, whoever was shooting the free throws, it might have been Jokic mm-hmm. or Jamal Murray, uh, whoever it was split the free throws. They missed the second one. Paul Millsap comes out of nowhere, gets the big uh, offensive rebound. Uh, they get a bucket, which I think was a Jamal Murray three. And from there, it was just Denver made every single, you know, just gimme, like 50-50 play. They just the, – the Nuggets – and I was talking to Brett Dawson about this um, from The Athletic after the game. And I've just had this thought the entire year because everybody knew, okay, yes, the Thunder have a realistic shot at getting the two seed. It's a little bit more difficult now after tonight. But the Thunder still had a realistic shot. It wasn't within the realm of possibility. They couldn't. But when I thought about the matchup, I just feel like that what 
everything that Oklahoma City wants to do, you know, get out and transition, um, play aggressive defense to force turnovers, to manufacture easy buckets. Denver can, can combat that. Mm-hmm. They can combat that in that they're lengthy, they're athletic, and they're just as fast. And the problem with the Thunder is um, they're so good at transition points. They're so, they lead the league in points off of transition, points off of turnovers, all those metrics. But they can easily get out of control. They, they had that problem with Sacramento early, early on, when that second game in Sacramento, that first game in Sacramento, where it, the pace was just out of this world, back and forth, back and forth. The Thunder just gets so sloppy when they, um, you know, are in that kind of that zone. And Denver can also do that to them, but Denver is just a better team than Sacramento, so it means more. And then also uh, on the offensive end for Denver, they can slow it down in the half court and play methodical basketball with Jokic being the point center, um, managing the offense. Denver can just do so many things that the Thunder have so much trouble with, and it gets them out of their rhythm. And that's why all these games have been relatively the same. The Thunder might lead early. Then Denver will just kind of control the middle parts of the game, but the Thunder are so good that they'll make their run and possibly take the lead or get it within a possession or two, and then Denver just makes the plays at the end of the game to win. And I really think Denver brings out a lot of excitement in the Thunder guys just because I asked Nerlens Noel in the locker room after the game, what was it or what is it about Denver that makes you guys play at such a high level? And he straight up said it's because Denver is such a high-level team. And they have guys like uh, Jokic who, I mean, they sent to the free throw line 13 times tonight. So, obviously, you know, I, I never say, is it Nikola or Nikola? You can say That's whatever how, you want. Well, they were pronouncing it Nikola, and I always said Nikola. So, we're going to go with Nikola. But uh, Pepsi, Nikola Jokic. Pepsi-Cola. Pepsi-Singer. Oh, pe- pe- that's why they do it. It all makes sense now. Oh, it's, a, it's a marketing. It's capitalist conspiracy. Marketing schemes. But let's just call him Jokic. So, Jokic tonight, he's a guy that, for a while, it was kind of the Steven Adams and Jokic show, just because they were the two that were making plays. And... Steven Adams had a great night also, but I, I think it's just guys like that really bring out a lot of fire in the Thunder guys. And, I mean, Nerlens Noel said it best when he said, well, it's just because they're a high-energy high team. We want to play to their level. We want to match the kind of energy they're bringing to the court. And I've always thought that the Thunder brought a lot of great energy to the court, of course, led by guys like Russell Westbrook, who always plays with great energy. But, I mean, it just it forced the Thunder to – be not in an, like an uncomfortable place, but just play at a level maybe that they didn't mentally prepare for. So it was just, it got a little out of control. Yes, they did come back. They were able to take a lead for the first time since like the first quarter. Uh, but it just, it didn't really matter because I really just saw Denver. They had a lot of fire. They had home court advantage, obviously. And I'm not chalking that up to any officiating, but I mean, like I said in the beginning of this podcast, their fans are unreal. And they let the Thunder guys know, especially guys like Paul and Russell, that they don't like them very much. And, I mean, as much as I want to say that that probably doesn't bother guys like that, it might get in their head a little bit if you have 18,000 people, like, screaming and booing at you. (laughs) See, I I thought the weird thing um, from the game was just how ineffective defensively Steven Adams was. Jokic, he's an an MVP-type player. Um to say that you cannot defend him that well is not a it's not a detriment on you as a defender. He, he makes everybody look like look silly. Um, the thing with Adams, at least historically coming into this matchup that I've always 
um, liked about this matchup is Adams seems to have a lot more offensive confidence when he goes up against Jokic because Jokic is he's big and mm-hmm. he can like Ennis Cantor would have this thing if Ennis Cantor is one on one with you on the block he's big enough and strong enough mm-hmm. that he can he can be a pretty decent defender but you hard if you're going up against Ennis Cantor as a team you're hardly going to put yourself in that position as an offense you're going to try and get him in the pick and roll and get lost right. use his use his feet against him and then make him look silly. Um, Jokic, he's big and can defend at a decent level at times, but um, Steven seems to at least have a little bit more of a green light when he goes up against Jokic, and it kind of counterbalances, unless Jokic goes for 40, which he's always capable of doing, (laughs) it kind of counterbalances the matchup at times. Uh, Tonight, it just kind of got out of hand. I mean, Steven started off the game really hot, I think he had 15 points at half. He finished the game with 15, 15 points. Yeah. And the main reason why was because Billy thought Nerlens Noel was just a better matchup, and it it looked like that. And that 18-point comeback, um, I, I don't know if it happened. I feel like it happened around that because the reason why I mentioned the kid incident was it as soon as that happened, Russell went to the bench. Yeah. And then you had the bench mob come out there, Dennis Schroeder, Markeith Morris, Nerlens Noel, and they really – spurred this uh 18 point uh deficit comeback and of course russell and paul come back onto the floor a few minutes later uh but nerland stays out there and billy said in the post game to us if he didn't foul out in that silly foul on the perimeter with a few minutes left he probably would have just finished the game mm-hmm. i think there was only three and a half minutes left at yeah. that point but um that's what nerland's brings to the table um i've i've been i've watched him play you know up close for a half a season now I've kind of followed him throughout his career since he's been in the NBA. I'm still amazed at how great of a defender he is on the perimeter, given his size and his um, just his length. He's got really quick hands. Um, he really helps give the Thunder something that they could possibly use moving forward because mm-hmm. the way it's shaping out, the thun- unless the Thunder just fall off the map, if they get out of the first round, this is going to be the matchup that Thunder fans are going to have to be worrying about. Um now there's always the thing with okay everybody on Denver that um, you know Jokic, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, all these guys they haven't experienced the playoffs yet, and it's always a different um, atmosphere. It's always a different vibe. Markeith Morris even talked about it tonight. Um, uh, somebody I think it was Brett Dawson asked him about all the fouls and mm-hmm. Thunder fouled what 32, 36 times. It was a foul fest, especially in the middle of the game, and he was like, "Sure, yeah, I don't mind. Call all that shit." Um, they're not going to call it in the postseason. Mm-hmm. And he's right. It's just a different ball game. So you can have that. You know, if you're going to look at this with an optimistic lens, you can have that. You can have that this Nerlens Noel lineup primarily against Jokic had a lot of success. But at the end of the day, I'm, I just think Denver is better. Yeah. They're, they're just a better team. Yeah. No, I completely agree with that. Um, just watching guys like, obviously, Jokic. Uh, watching guys like Paul Millsap. Will Barton, uh, Jamal Murray, good Lord. So just having guys like that who are able to take these shots and who are able to get a little uh, fancy, if you may, (laughs) uh, there were just a lot of instances where they were able to kind of trip up the Thunder players because they pulled out some fancy shots that they're really good at and they're really confident in taking, and that's why their shots were able to fall. There were plenty of times, I'm pretty sure it was guys like uh, Jamal Murray and Paul uh, Millsap would go underneath the rim and just completely dominate guys like Steven Adams and Nerlens Noel because... Yes, Nerlens and Stevens have a lot of height on them and a lot of strength, but Nerlens and Stevens, I hate to say it, Stevens, Nerlens and Steven, 
they're not able to really guard the real tricky, like lots of handsy type of stuff because I don't think they quite expect it. And so that's kind of why I agree with what Brady said. I really do think Denver is just the better team because they're able to pull out stuff like that. Uh, they're able to come in and have a game plan. They're able to scout out these guys and they're able to know exactly what they're doing. So just kind of watching, there were a couple times uh, where, where Will Barton was making some really impressive shots that just lit Pepsi Center on fire. And it was because he is really good at knowing where his shots are. He's really good at kind of estimating how, you know, just how, like how hard he needs to let it off his fingers, just how easy he needs to get to the basket. It just it clicks for guys like that. And that's why I think Denver is just a really good team because they're very ball smart. They're very good at their court vision and they're very good at just what they do. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. Yeah, and with Denver's athleticism on the perimeter – um, it, it leads to guys like Jeremy Grant, um, who who was out there primarily um, with New Orleans Noel. You know, Grant and Noel, they're they're kind of cut from the same cloth in terms of how they want to defend the rim. They're more uh, shot blockers than they are just straight on rim protectors like a Stephen Adams. Stephen Adams doesn't want to block shots; he just wants to keep you away from the paint with his exactly with yeah. his physicality, his basketball IQ. Grant and Noel, you know, they, they want to try and force you into like lull you into a false sense of security and then block your shot mm-hmm. and get you back onto the fast break if you're the thunder um i asked billy about the final uh six minutes and what was the recurring theme and he said you know i think a lot of our guys were just trying leaving the paint trying to block shots and you could you could easily see that because every time every time the ball was being um swung around and the shot would go up you'd have guys just crashing towards or closing out towards the shooter and Paul Millsap would just go unguarded and he would have Maryland's Noel probably boxing him out with what like in poor position and it just led to all the crucial plays going Denver's way and that's just been the theme of this series this year um the Thunder are good enough that they can make it a game even when it looks ugly and I thought it was going to be a, a blowout at one point mm-hmm. especially when Russell went out that um 18 point deficit I was like oh this is this, this is going to be bad now Paul was able to hit that um half court shot at the buzzer that was cool at the end of the third quarter and that of course that that's always a good thing when you're a player when you see when you're having a bad night shooting you get a shot like that to fall it's like okay okay and okay then, I'm good at basketball and then for the first you know like six minutes of the fourth quarter it was like regular Paul George he was uh, forcing bad passes that turned into turnovers he was getting steals he had six steals tonight yes, yeah. uh, one steal away from his uh, career high um, he was getting out in the tra- uh, on the fast break and, get- and finishing at the rim getting to the foul line it feels I feel like he had six free throws. I think four of them were in the were in the fourth quarter, which is not a lot. But when you only have six, it's like okay. So you were doing you were a little bit more successful in the fourth quarter uh, with whatever you were doing compared to the first. But um, yeah, you look at the numbers. There's nothing that's glaring that you can say like, oh, the Thunder got out rebounded. Oh, the Thunder just did not shoot well, and they didn't shoot well. Denver didn't really shoot the ball lights out until like the late third quarter, and then the Thunder still countered countered that by mm-hmm. throwing out the run and then taking a lead. So it really didn't matter. What matters in this series is just, like I said, I just think Denver's better, <laughs> and um, there's really no shame in that because Denver, Golden State, Oklahoma City, these are three of some, 
three of maybe like the six or seven best teams in the league. And the West is that's just what the West is. If you're mm-hmm. the Thunder, you've got the tiebreaker over Portland. You've got the tiebreaker over Utah. Portland is one went one loss or one game back in the loss column, I believe, of Oklahoma City. So you got to keep going. The Thunder's next seven games though are really brutal. Mm-hmm. It's you got Philly. You got a back to back with San Antonio on the road, and then Memphis at home, and then four straight road games. One of them being Portland, another being Minnesota, who the Thunder haven't beat for whatever random reason <laughs> this year. Um, it's it's going to be tough. I knew tonight was going to be a tough get. Um, I d- didn't expect Oklahoma City to win, but uh, I don't I don't really know. Like I don't think we learn anything different other than the Nerlens Noel matchup, mm-hmm. and that's something that you yes, like I said, you can use that in the postseason, but rarely does you know one little move in your in your substitutions matter this much when you're playing a team that looks better. Now, I know Thunder. some Thunder fans might remember the 2012 playoffs where um, Scott Brooks put Tabo Cephalosha on Tony Parker, completely flipped that series, and the Thunder went, um, they started 0-2, and they won the next four games and eliminated the Spurs. It can happen, but, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it was a fun game. <laughs> it was, it just, was really fun. Yeah, Denver, Denver's a fun town. Um, Let's see. Madison got some chocolate today. I did. I got some <laughs> chocolate. And I still have my other Oreo that I was going to save for tomorrow. So I'm really excited. Oh, God. Um, we mean, wandered I, around Denver. I really wish we could order pizza right now. Oh, my I'm gosh. Like, me too. Oh, God. I just want to eat. <laughs> yeah, but Denver, no, Denver was super fun. Uh, Brady and I had Brady's friend kind of show us around the city. Shout and, out. Shout uh, out to you, Jordan. Yeah, Thank shout you out so to much. Jordan. He was very hospitable. Let us stay in Colorado Springs our first night. Save a little bit of money. Um, but Denver's real cool. Obviously, the Pepsi Center is a gorgeous facility. We really enjoyed that. All of the local media was very welcoming to us, and uh, especially the staff just in the Pe- Denver, Pepsi Center. The Denver, or like the Pepsi Center Arena staff, the nicest, the nicest, people. the nicest people I've ever met. They were. They awesome. went out of their way to make sure we felt welcome. They would say hello to us in the hallway. They were really courteous and quick during like uh, the security and the bag check. Um, it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't bad for both parties. Like it sometimes can be in these types of situations, you know? So it was, it was just fun. You know, Denver is a really cool city. I've only been here one time and I I just stayed the night in the hotel, like, like after midnight. So I didn't, I don't really even remember and I don't have any memories of Denver. So, um, no, like I hope, I hope Oklahoma city can hold the three seed. Hope they can get out of the first round because I want to come back. This would be fun. That would be really fun. Second round matchup. <laughs> no, it would be fun. But I guess uh, there's not really much else to dissect about this game. So, uh, I mean, we kind of talked about the matchups that Oklahoma City has coming up. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I know that I speak for both Brady and myself when I say we're super excited to ramble about it some more on some more OKC82 podcasts. But it's going to be really fun. And uh, it's been a fun season. I can't believe we're already on the 60th game i know we got 22 left then the postseason um and then that's when the real fun begins because then you got which it doesn't really it won't really affect the thunder this year you know there's not a like okay this guy could leave or could not he may mm-hmm. not leave except for uh, nerland's well. <laughs> which um i think you know about. tonight is going to be a game that he'll put in his resume and say like i could still make an impact and start right and i, I would completely agree with that yeah. i think nerland's could start for at least 10 teams in the nba at center um he certainly really rehabbed his 
his image, his career in Oklahoma City, and that's what the Thunder pride themselves on, and that's why they're able to get guys and turn them into really great assets. You know, Dion Waiters, uh, Nerlens Noel. Um, it's one thirty in the morning, and I can't think of any others, and there's probably no others, but so <laughs> I don't even know what the hell I was talking about. But um, we have two questions. Oh, actually. sweet. We do have two questions. Um, I asked late. Everybody was at home upset back home in Oklahoma City probably, so no worries if you missed out on some questions. Um, Julius Reck, at Julius underscore Reck with a W, asks. It's like Reck. Yeah, just W-R-E-K, no C. Oh. Yeah, like he, he doesn't... He doesn't have time. There's <laughs> no patience in the in the name spelling. Um, what's it going to take for the guards to completely defend the perimeter again? You know, this has just been kind of a question that's been following the Thunder ever since their offense has completely exploded mm-hmm. into the top, the upper echelon of the uh, NBA. Um, the defense is never going to be something that I'm going to be worried about. Now, if we're talking about individual matchups, that's, that's a different story. But um, in terms of the Thunder being able to play great defense, they are. They they are a great defensive team. Um, they're still trying in an eighty two game season, you have to work on you have to work the kinks out. You mm-hmm. have to like develop your talent. You have to make sure guys are getting confident. And when that happens, some things were just gonna naturally go by the wayside. But um I should have known when the Thunder were down eighteen and I thought it was gonna be ugly. I should have known. This this team is it does the same thing every single game. <laughs> they never get blown out. They never get like really dominated straight off the floor. And in games where it looks like they're getting dominated, they will come back and possibly take the lead and possibly win. Right. That's just what this team does because they can turn it on. You know, everyone makes fun of teams that say, "Oh, we'll flip the switch in the playoffs." The Thunder can at least flip the switch defensively. I yeah. have no, I have no like, I have every confidence they can do that. Right. So. um yeah, just wait till the postseason, Julius. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I really do think that it's something special about this team, that they're able to f- uh, fight and claw their way back into any kind of game. And that's kind of what they've proven, even when they've had some losses to some pretty uh, not-so-great teams. But that's going to happen <laughs> to every team in the league. And, I mean, they like Brady said, they haven't been blown out this season. I mean, if it does happen in the remaining 22 games, I will be pretty shocked uh, not in a biased way, but just because we've been watching this team for 60 games now this season, and they have clawed at every single opportunity that they get. So that's going to be super interesting. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think especially for guys like Russell and Dennis, it's going to be a lot about maintaining composure and uh, just being very calm around the perimeter if they are going to adequately defend it. Uh, they can't make any kind of sloppy fouls because – I mean, it's just it's something you really do have to watch because, like Brady said earlier, the Thunder ended with 34 fouls tonight, and that's just that's a little crazy. But I so think it's just there were there were some crazy. there were some egregious foul calls on both ends of the floor. There were yeah. some egregious foul. There were some egregious um, no continuation. There were some egregious. Um, we're going to not count the basket, and then after like five seconds of talking, we're no, going just to count the, we're count, it. count the basket. It was it was just inconsistent officiating. Yeah, and that's sadly it's gonna happen. That's a factor that you have to ha- somewhat prepare for, or at least understand that that is possible. Yeah, and the Thunder, you know, even with that, they're still able to get themselves back into a ball game. You know, they're able to adapt 
to multiple uh, types of situations. And that's that's the mark of a good team. Uh, Denver, of course, can do the same thing. That's why I think that they're better. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's just kind of the way it is. Um, frequent uh, asker of questions to the podcast, Mr. Ben Noble at Ben R. Noble. Hi, Ben. One. Um, asks, what are the Schroeder Gold Patch Advanced Analytics? Let me tell you something. They are not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not he, great. <laughs> he started uh, that, that first game after the All-Star break, which was the first game he had played. Um, he'd missed two games um, with the birth of his child. Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder Jr. Jr. <laughs> um, don't know if there's a gold patch on the child. Um, <laughs> uh, I know he missed his first seven shots in that Utah game. And... I feel terrible. I feel a little responsible for this on the power rankings that I put out during the All-Star week on the franchiseok.com. I pointed out that since um, January, Dennis Schroeder has been shooting 41% from the three-point line on just under three attempts a game, which is a, you know, as much as of a game-changer Terrence Ferguson shooting the ball well can be for the team, Dennis Schroeder shooting at that clip is like, oh my God, this team could beat anybody because mm-hmm. Dennis Schroeder is so ball dominant. He's so dangerous with the basketball in his hands that if he's going to be shooting that clip three attempts a game, ooh. ooh. But as soon as that I posted that, he has he has not been good. <laughs> that percentage has sky fallen. But you know, Schroeder has gone through stretches like this. Um, the end of December or the middle of December on into like the early part of January, he was pretty bad. Um, so you just got to hope that he can bounce back. And that's going to, you know, I can only imagine how having a child could affect your work life. You know, it's, I don't think you sleep when you have, one I don't of those think things. you sleep. I don't think that um, you're not as hundred percent locked in as you would typically be. Right. And that's, that's not a knock. I would, you know, I, I yeah. If I well, one, if I had a kid right now, I'd be crying my eyes out because I like why am I cursed with oh no? What am <laughs> oh, I gonna no. do? I don't make enough money. <laughs> <laughs> no more Denver trips for me. Um, but no, I, I don't think I'd be as good at my job um, as I am, which is still not good. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the thing about Dennis tonight, he was one of seven from the three point line. That's kind of what we were just talking about. How he's been struggling with that, but. I do believe that it was his three-pointer that actually tied the game. Um, yeah, his, his three-pointer. It was his that tied it. Yeah, that was the odd thing was his three tied. You know, Dennis Schroeder hasn't been shooting the ball well at right. all. And then Russell, not a good three-point shooter, got the lead. And it's just like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> no, so it was kind of exciting. So it was good to see Dennis get something like that. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I think he might just be going through a little bit of a – weird stance and it kind of sucks that it came with the fact that he just put the gold patch back in because i think everyone is chalking it up to oh well he has the freaking gold patch again yeah, um pro- i don't think that's it it's but. probably <laughs> messing with his equilibrium <laughs> you never know man uh, you never know uh, remember, so when, we'll remember when he had the what do you have like a gold streak or a gold it was, yes it was a uh it was like a blue like little squiggly thing and it had blue but it had like gold on the sides and it was his representation of the, the thunder yeah and it was uh, like, okay, it didn't last very long, but... Yeah, no, uh, it didn't. I think it just lasted a week, probably, when he's like, okay, this is done. He's probably like, that was, <laughs> that was stupid. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, Madison and I, we were walking out of the arena to go uh, meet up with our Uber ride, and uh, Dennis Schroeder was still in the arena for whatever reason. <laughs> he walked right by us, and I was looking at my phone. Dennis Schroeder wears um, a very um, distinguishable uh, cologne. 
It's probably very expensive. It, you can... Basically, what happened was I was looking at my phone, didn't really know he had walked past me because I didn't see him, but I smelled him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a good smell. It's I'm, not a saying, great I'm not saying smell. he smells bad. No, he smells fantastic. But I, I smelled that smell that I smell all the time in the Thunder locker room, and I kind of perked my head up, and I looked back, and I saw him walking away from us. And I looked at Mass, and I was like, you know, he could never sneak up on somebody. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking up, and then um, I saw him, and I kind of looked down just because I didn't want to, like, stare for some reason and be, like, creepy media, but... Um, which you are which I am but <laughs> his uh, cologne just lingered there for a second I was like I looked over at Brady I said my god he smells good no it's like if Dennis Schroeder wanted to turn to like a life of crime like if he wanted to like rob banks for whatever reason because he's not getting paid enough screwed. in the NBA I mean th- that's his calling card it's like oh <laughs> it was it was that Dennis Schroeder it was Dennis <laughs> I can smell it <laughs> uh, Ben also asked one more question he's um uh, but actually, has Adams seemed to be in a slump on both ends of the floor, mainly over the last 10 games or so? Um, yeah, I think he's just dealing with some physical pain. Yeah. You know, that, um, Billy was asked about it, shoot around. Um, was that you? Did you ask that? No. no. Um, I, I think it was actually one of the Denver media people. They asked about him, and Billy said uh, he straight up told us that Steven has had a little bit of a faulty ankle, like he's been dealing with some ankle not like problems but i mean i think they've been giving him just a little bit of pain Hmm. so i mean if you're seven foot and you are carrying like 265 pounds on your ankles and you're performing at a high level every like two nights then yeah it's gonna it's gonna start to affect you after like 60 games but i mean uh billy didn't sound concerned about it though and he was like no he's it's just something he's working through right now he's doing well and I, I think I speak for everyone when I say, like, I highly doubt Billy would put him out there for as much as he did. He, pay, he played about 30 minutes tonight. I don't think Billy would put him out there if he didn't think Steven was going to be able to handle it. Yeah, I mean, everybody's dealing with stuff now, um, this time of year. Um, it's going to be a little bit more uh, visible for Steven Adams because when he runs, the floor shakes. <laughs> so when he's dragging those big ass feet and those knees, you know, it just, it looks painful. It pains so, me. It looks painful to me. Um yeah, but like I said, I think on the last show, like I'm not worried about him moving forward. Um, he he always kind of deals with these things in the middle of the season. It seems like everyone will point that out on Twitter this time of year. Postseason, he's back to regular old, you know, regular old Steven. Regular Adams. old Steven. Um, uh, one more thing before we get out of here, which I, that that is the harbinger of doom for me. Every time I say one more thing, it turns into <laughs> three more things. So let's uh, let's hope. But um, shout out to Madison Morris with the friggin' pictures. She, um, you know, because, like, the kid incident thing, like, isn't an incident? Yeah. A situation. a little sitch. Yeah, so it happened, you know, on our side of the floor, right in front of us, kind of, but it was still far away that we couldn't really see, and it was a kid, so, you know, there's fans standing up in front of him, so it was really hard to see, but I did see the kid touch him, Mm -hmm. and then I saw Russell just snap his head back and it was like in that you could just see in that instant like he thought it was an adult and he was like oh it's and a, he was about to go off it's on a him. kid and then he just kind of like gave him like a dude don't That's do that cool. and then he like walked over and uh, i could tell he was talking to some like i assume like the parent saw that it was the dad yeah he was talking to the dad and then he like really bent down and said, "Come here, old tyke. You know, let me tell you something." Yeah. And uh, God knows what Russell said to him. I hope the child doesn't have nightmares. <laughs> I don't even want to know. <laughs> but it, it seemed like it was cool. 
Um, but like I said, Russell goes to the bench right after that. Um, Nikola Jokic also, you know, shout out to him. I bet Nuggets fans are happy about this. Uh, he kind of like walked in front of Russell and the kid, because I'm sure he didn't really know what was going on. He's and moderating. Just, he's like, I didn't, no, no, be no, yelling at don't my, be mean. my children fans. <laughs> it um, was kind of a funny incident, though. But I didn't have confirmation that everything was cool until you put out those pictures, and I could see a still shot of the dad smiling yeah. at Russ. And it's like, yeah, it's just like a little still shot. But I got to say, if I have a kid and Russell is like chewing my five-year-old's like ass i would not ever be caught like a split second of smiling at russell you know? right so, and then just that picture i was like okay everything's cool and then we got confirmation afterwards by both russell and the denver nuggets uh, sideline reporter mm-hmm. whose name i can't remember excuse me um she i guess she had talked to the fans and they were like oh like he was cool everything's fine. yeah um, but yeah, so shout out to you, Madison. Even the, the Thunder PR staff, Matt Tumbleson, uh, said that you did a good job with the picture. So thanks. So, so much talent, so oh, much talent in this room. It's just a great, great duo right here, man. Yeah, um, Madison. Any more uh, thoughts, feelings from uh, Denver? I mean, nothing really. Um, honestly, like this was an awesome trip. We. Like, both Brady and I were very, very honored to be here representing the franchise and getting to go on another road trip. So, it was just fun. Um, Hopefully, the Thunder, if we go on another road trip, they'll actually win this one. So, (laughs) Uh, I I am 0-3 on the road. I I am 0-2. The Houston game in Christmas, the Dallas game before uh, the New Year's Eve game in Oklahoma City at the Thunder won. Uh, Madison was in that game with me, so she's 0-2 on the road. 0-2. I'm 0-3. Sorry, everybody. So, like, while you can be pissed at us, and I would completely understand that, um, I'll just tell you this. I'll, that's what I told Madison. Like, if we go on another road game, just bet on the other team. You'll make, like, <laughs> yeah, the Thunder might lose, but at least you'll make money. You know, every OU Texas game, I always bet on Texas. Because <laughs> either OU will win and I'll be happy because OU triumphed over evil, or OU lost. And to quell you my pissed offness, it's like, oh, I got some money. Yeah, what do you know? <laughs> uh, that's what we're, that's where we'll end it. Everybody, thank you so much for staying uh, updated with us today on all of our little video updates, um, pictures, little video clips, everything that we put out on the franchise. Okay, uh, Twitter accounts. Uh, I'll be writing my story um, as soon as Madison leaves, and um, yeah, we'll probably put this up for everybody tonight. Everybody, thank you so much listening to the OKC2 podcast and uh, we will see you back in OKC on Thursday.